Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. We are about to break the surly bonds of gravity and punch the face of God. I wish I was a little bit Left taller. Jab Productions present Edge of Sports I'm Radio, I'm where sports and politics collide. And now your host, Dave Zarn. The Schmada Kid. Edge of Sports Radio, where sports and politics collide. I'm Dave Zarin, joined as always by a man who might be suspended for a year for, from Sirius XM for not smoking weed, Dan Baker. DB, you you're like the anti-Josh Gordon. I plead the fifth. He pleads the fifth. That's a beautiful thing, Dan. And also an insult to all of our Italian-American sisters and brothers. Also, we are joined by the coach, Kevin Nutt. Coach, first time I've seen you in a long time. Yes, How you doing, long my time. man? Well, Dave, I'm, I'm glad to be here. And, uh, you know, I was concerned about you, but I was hoping that, you know, while you're on IR, getting lots of rest, that you would get better looking, but that wasn't the case. For some reason, lying in a hospital bed and having a golf ball-sized tumor <laughs> taken from your stomach is not exactly the same thing as going to Canyon right. Ranch. It's not like going to the spa. Not to shock you, Coach. My bad, brother. My bad. Oh, no, I'm just trying to make you feel as bad as possible. That ain't I happen. mean, I just was terrified I would come out, you know, in a way that, I frankly, Uh-oh. is the greatest shame for any man. Here it comes. Bald. But, um, <laughs> but, I knew it was coming. Yeah, there it is. There it is. It was there. And... Joined as always by me, Mark. How are you doing, me, Mark? I am fantastic. It is football time. I'm Uh-oh, three fantasy drafts in at this point. We're in S- this. Sit down, Mark. Well, Be still, Mark. I'll tell you something. Uh, <laughs> in honor of you, Mark, yeah. and in honor of your time and your joy, uh, we have actually changed this entire show on the fly. Uh-oh. And instead, it's going to become the show that is drenched in hypocrisy, hypocrisy, <laughs> hypocrisy. Because check Don't out worry. this show. We are going to, first of all, talk about Josh Gordon and his suspension from the Cleveland Browns for a year, 23-year-old wide receiver, suspended for weed. And we are going to interview Steve Almond, who just published a book called Against Football, A Reluctant Manifesto. Mm. And we're then going to wrap up the show by talking about our NFL predictions for oh, 2000. My. Oh, my. Fantastic. And 14. How does that sound? Does that sound good? Yes, Is that does. drenched in enough hypocrisy? It's like a hypocrisy wet t-shirt contest. <laughs> Where coach is the odds-on oh, favorite, but I'll, who's judging this contest? Of course, it is dangerous, damn there it is. I mean, we have to find him work. He's about to be suspended from Sirius XM for not smoking. See, I think that, I thought that was a funny joke. I liked it. You like that one? Yeah, I thought I still it was a fib, but yeah. Yeah, I, I know it. it's a fib. I know. I'm sure people at Sirius XM are going to be furious. All the suits, man. But that's just how crazy we roll. We got to go to break right now. You can follow us at Edge of Sports. We'll be back after this. You're hilarious, Dave. Edge of Sports Radio with Dave Zirin will return after this. Dave Zirin returns on Edge of Sports Radio, where sports and politics collide. Boom, we're back here on Edge of Sports Radio. Josh Gordon, 23 years old, arguably 
it is a real argument. The most talented receiver in the National Football League Mm -hmm. suspended for a year Mm -hmm. from the Cleveland Browns. Huge reaction. Different world reactions on social media versus uh, the mainstream sports commentariat. On social media, there was a lot of people saying, myself included, what kind of NFL suspends Ray Rice for two games for dragging his unconscious fiance, knocks Josh Gordon out for a year for weed. The hypocrisy is staggering. A lot of people on the sports commentariat, Josh Gordon is a knucklehead. Josh Gordon knew he could get in trouble for doing this. Josh Gordon uh, put his own head on the chopping block. And people have also made the point that this is in the collective bargaining agreement. The players bargained that if you get caught, you're out. Now, Coach, I did want to ask you this because you're probably the most old school of the folks in here. Mm-hmm. In other words, you're the only one who's not on some sort of drug right now. <laughs> I'm just kidding, but but, but uh, figuratively, mm-hmm. or at least it's beyond the 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 it's beyond likelihood mm-hmm. that you are in some way, shape, or form incapacitated by drugs, <laughs> while the rest of you people are shifty as hell. Wow. So 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 mean. <laughs> I'm coming back mean. So so, wrong. Coach, I, I ask you. I mean, and honestly. What do you think about the punishment? That's the first question. Mm-hmm. And the second question is, what would your reaction to the punishment be if you were this guy's teammate, the Cleveland Browns, mm-hmm. they're so thin at wide receiver, mm-hmm. and basically their their vertical passing game is built around one person mm-hmm. with no safety, mm-hmm. and he's gone. Yeah. What's he's, your take? He's a, he's a, okay. <laughs> I was going to say he's a selfish, Say it. Se- uh, self-observed jerk. jerk. On, from that as, aspect of it, but here's the deal: you brought, you brought in the case about uh, Ray Rice. As a referee, you you compartmentalize that stuff. Ray Rice is this on the left side. This is the right side. This man came in from Baylor with that problem. He didn't do anything about it. He turned. I don't care about the hundred yard receptions and thirty TDs he caught and all that stuff. And he repeats the, he, he repeats the offense. Didn't go and and uh, get himself some help or anything like that. I have no sympathy for him. Look here, when you go. And you come into the lane. Uh, I'm a referee now. Understand? Follow me on this one. Yep. I'm the referee. You come into the lane, head down, go into the basket. Then all of a sudden, you are in my domain. Mm-hmm. If you come in there, head down, whether I call block or charge, is my domain. So now he goes out, has the problem coming from Baylor. That's why he had to go into supplemental draft. Comes in, has problems, gets in trouble. Now he has been caught. So he is he is at the domain of the commissioner. Period. Comes down with a year, bite the bullet, get gone. All right, so that's your take on this. And how about this? All right, so but you're saying is by the letter of the law, you get why they did what they did. Then let me ask you then the bigger question, Mm -hmm. which is do you think there should be any sort of connective tissue whatsoever, theoretically, Mm -hmm. between – remember, it's not a performance-enhancing drug unless there are Ritz crackers in the end zone. (laughs) So should there be any connective tissue whatsoever between I smoke weed, therefore I should not be allowed to play in the NFL? Okay. Should right. that exist at all? Okay, that's okay. That's debate. That's ongoing, and, and, I, and I understand what Just you're your going. Just your thought. There. Do you think? Do you think Pothead should be able to play in the NFL? Yes, and it's coming because with what's going on in Denver. I mean, because now you're going to hear. Okay, it's legalized in Denver. And Colorado, we got Denver Bron- yep. Colorado. Washington. Okay, I'm sorry, but I'm here. And Washington You got the State. Denver Broncos. Yep. You got the Seattle Seahawks. So it's legal there, but it's not in in Dallas or it's not in Washington D.C. So yeah, that's coming. I understand it. But where you are right now, you have to be right where you are right now. So under this, under, under so at this point, at this point in time. He is under the purview of the commissioner or whatever that body is, the judge jury that makes it, and he has to live by what they say. 
Okay, before I go to Mark, just to be clear, just mm-hmm. in case our listeners are curious about That's this right. here on Edge of Sports Radio, people should know that even though marijuana is legal in Washington State and Colorado, it is illegal for the Broncos or the Seahawks to imbibe. So the NFL has been actually very clear about this, that their rules supersede, their collective bargaining agreement supersedes any of the legal laws on the books, just so folks know that. The change is going to come. It certainly looks that way, partly because we're so stressed as a society. I mean, you can't have, um, like, literally over half the country, I think, in a state of constantly being in, um, you know, committing misdemeanors and felonies at all times. Just ain't going to happen. So, yeah, mean Mark. On you, buddy. What do you think of the penalty? And I'll ask you it the same way. Mm-hmm. It's like, what do you think? Uh, like, any sympathy? I guess the best way to ask it is any sympathy for Josh Gordon whatsoever. Uh, do you think the punishment is fair based on the CBA? I I feel a little bit of sympathy. I think there's a legitimate question about whether he has an addiction here or not, and whether he's he's uh, gotten treatment for that or not. I think there's some sympathy to be had, uh, just because one might be addicted to marijuana rather than alcohol, one being legal and one the other one being illegal. I don't think that necessarily mitigates one way or the other. And I think in terms of the CBA, in the CBA it does say that marijuana is a banned substance and you're going to be suspended for it. But I think moral ambiguity came into being in the CBA when Roger Goodell came in and started with personal conduct. Uh, mm-hmm. when, you, when you bring personal conduct and personal morality and things like this that can be led to arbitrary uh, suspensions, then we as an audience get to judge Roger Goodell and the NFL for what they see as what what is moral and what everything is tied together at that point. Suspensions are based on the Goodell as the commissioner who, who are laying these things out. And because of that, you're able to connect Ray Rice to Josh Gordon and then say, ask if whether he's eight times worse than Ray Rice or not. Disagree. You've got to com- compartmentalize that. But let me ask you this. You said sympathy for him. Why do you have sympathy for them? He had this problem four years ago, maybe longer, at Baylor. So he's had time to get his act together. You don't know if he's had rehab because he's never said anything as, as, as whether he went to a rehab program. So, and, and, and let, me, let me add this. I'm from the streets of Southeast. I would tell you that more athletes, uh, especially the elite athletes, have no problem with herb in their car, smoking their weed. It is it is their joint of substance the way frat boys get do do beer. So I understand that. But you are now in the in, in the big time. It's time to put your little games okay. away. All so right. now four or five years ago at Baylor he had the problem. Mm-hmm. He has done nothing about it. Where do you stop? Where where do the NFL teammates, coaches stop becoming enablers? And he's got to be accountability. What is really getting me? I'm so obsessed, uh, upset, and obsessed with the lack of accountability for people across the board, but especially athletes. Do, do you have a the 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 beat button, Dan? Can we use the beat button if we have to? I guess we can. <laughs> Come on. I think <laughs> Come on. that. Do I have sympathy for Josh Gordon? I think the entire suspension is the biggest load of horse I have ever seen in my entire life. Accountability? Where's the accountability for Jim Ursay? Where's the and, and all the drugs in his car? Oh, is it's it? coming. Is we're, it? Uh, we're, yeah. could time that with a sundial. Where's yeah, the accountability <laughs> of a, of a commissioner in Roger Goodell who does the ALS ice bucket challenge while not admitting that his sport in any way contributes to ALS or brain damage? 
Where's the accountability of a sport that is going to penalize players for using slurs while defending a billion-dollar slur in Washington, D.C.? Where's the accountability for a sport that loads players up with addictive painkillers mm-hmm. yet throws the hammer down on them for weed? Where's the accountability of a sport that takes millions of dollars, hundreds of millions of dollars from the alcohol industry, an industry that claims more lives in a year than weed ever has in its entire okay. oh, existence? Oh, that's good, Dave. So you and does not and do, and okay. throws this okay. down on Josh Gordon. Okay. My point is this that in a sane society, in a sane NFL, Josh Gordon would be suiting up right now. So you, because so you okay, not, wait, a minute, wait, wait, wait. You're okay with him coming on the field, suiting up next week in, in an opener, and then leaving leaving the field after that, uh, uh, lighting up in his car, going 75 down, 75 miles an hour down a freeway. You're fine with that. You Leave just, him alone. No, He's you, fine. No, no, no. Because you just changed the equation. You changed the equation. No, I'm not when okay. You told all, when you said all that, no, what you just said. No, because I'm not okay with people doing mind altering substances and getting behind the wheel of a car. That oh, is a okay. very because then then that car then it becomes something that's relative to the. But that's what he was safety. busted for, by the way. Yeah, but we're not talking about that. We're talking about should he have been suspended for a year because of the test itself? It had nothing to do with the car and anything he did in the car. It had to do with the blood test. You can connect just like you connected because all those dots. You can connect that to it. Get if out. They the wanted get to say. The, stop if they playing ball. To, get if, help. If they wanted to say it had to do with reckless driving. I am so much more open to that discussion than anything that has to do with marijuana. It's ridiculous. I'd like to know how many people in Roger Goodell's office are high right now <laughs> as we're doing this show. And they should be penalized. As we're call. doing this show. I'd like oh, but they don't get drug tested. Owners don't get drug tested, executives don't get drug tested, players get drug tested. They so signed off I, on I that by the way. I can't stand the argument for accountability when it's accountability for the workers and not the executives because mm. that to me is not real accountability. That's hypocrisy. Sick of it. Right. That's what I'm sick of. Hey, this Dude. is Edge of Sports Radio. This we got to go to break. We'll be back Woo-hoo. after this. One, one, two, three. Don't one, two, move. Three, Dave Zirin will be right back with more Edge of Sports Radio. You're listening to Edge of Sports Radio with Dave Zirin. Boom, we're back here on Edge of Sports Radio. Our next guest is author of the new book, Against Football. A Reluctant Manifesto, a story about why a journalist and fan can no longer watch the game he loves. His name is Steve Amon. Steve, how you doing, sir? I'm doing good. It's great to talk to you. Just so you know, you're, we're joined here by Coach Kevin McNutt, me and Mark Barry. They might spit some questions at you as well. First, before I ask you anything about the book, give us a little background about yourself. Because I know you're more than just a fan of, of the game, that you have some experience covering the sport. Tell us a little bit about Steve Amond. Oh, boy. Well, I I would say it would overstate it to say that I'm a sports reporter. I worked as a sports reporter very briefly, mostly as an intern, uh, but also was a reporter in the El Paso Times and in the Miami New Times, and I did sports stories when I was there. I did a long, in-depth profile of Wayne Heisinger. I did a bunch of profiles of various athletes. So I'm basically a a huge fan who's done investigative reporting and feature reporting and all that stuff and has always been – you know, deeply compelled by sports, especially football. And let's go to there first. Before I have this question that I obviously want to ask you, what's the moment that turned you mm-hmm. to say that you're now against football? But before I do that, I was looking at your bibliography and saw that you've written fiction, that you've written a lot of different kinds of things. What made you think my next book is going to be about football? 
Well, honestly, what happened is I wrote a piece for the New York Times Magazine essentially saying, is it immoral to watch the Super Bowl? And this is because anybody with a functioning conscience who's a football fan is recognizing, like, okay, we're consuming as a form of entertainment a game that one of the results of which is that some players get brain damage. That's a real thing in the world, and it's really tough and unpleasant to look at sports as through a moral lens, but that's part of what you do and part of what I think thoughtful fans do is say, okay, yes, it's a game, it's a refuge, it's an escape from all those complicated moral considerations of adult life, but it also has these very real effects. You of all people know, you know, FIFA is not just a fun soccer game. It's a whole huge industry. So for me, I'd been feeling increasingly unsettled, even as I was loving football and watching it and bonding with my next door neighbor over it and finding myself drawn more and more to the escape of football. At the same time, there was this other pressure on me that was saying, this the whole thing is really corrupt, and it's really against my values in fundamental ways. I think the thing that turned me and caused me to write the book had to do more with just the personal experience. You know, last summer, my brother called me out of the blue. Our mom had suffered a fall, and he said, you got to get out here. I flew to the West Coast. I'm on the East Coast. And, um, you know, when I came to the hospital, she was gone. I mean, she was, she was gone in an acute dementia where she didn't know exactly where she was, didn't always recognize me. And until you've really seen that, until you've really dealt in a non-abstract way, a very real way with a loved one who has lost their mind, uh, you just don't get it. Those synapses, those two synapses in the sports fan brain don't connect. The one that says, oh, my God, I love this game. It's so exciting. It's such a spectacle. It's such a refuge. And the one that says, oh, holy Christ. Now, Years down the line, these guys are in this state. So I think that was the moment where I was like, wait a second. I'm involved in something that is I need to look at. Now, Steve, there's dementia evidence in hockey. There's increasing evidence yep. uh, in soccer. soccer sure. uh, and the the sport with the most, if you want to call it a sport, but the most catastrophic injuries uh, by far is actually competitive cheerleading. Where do you dr- – <laughs> It's oh my god! And the number—it's crazy mm-hmm. if you look at a graph. Mm-hmm. Like when we, I say catastrophic, I mean like uh, paraplegia sure. and paralysis. Sure. I mean it's crazy. Sure. So the, the so the the so where do you draw the line? What makes football different? Why not just call okay. it against uh, contact sports? For example. Okay. Well, you could call it whatever you want. I call it against football because football is, as you know, okay. So the Pew Foundation tries to find out what's the most popular sport in America, and thirty-five percent of Americans say football and 9% say baseball and 8% say college football. And if you really drill down into it, a bunch would say high school football. So we're dealing with a sport that is a $10 billion a year sport, right, just the NFL, and that is also by a factor of five the most popular sport in America. And it also happens to be the one that I think is the most exciting, stirring, alluring game that we have. So that's part of the reason that I wanted to focus on football. It's really I'm not trying to make any statements about other sports. I think, for instance, the fact that people are still getting off on people fighting in hockey, uh, you know, is deeply should be deeply troubling to people who are fans of that sport. They should be doing some moral self-examination. And I should make clear, like, I'm not saying what people should do. I'm not trying to get uh, football abolished. This is America. We make those decisions as fans slash consumers. And that's really the link that I'm trying to draw. When you're a fan of something, you're buying into something. Your money and attention 
are supporting and have built the football industrial complex, which is the largest of our complexes in the athletic industrial complex in this country. There's no denying that. There's this constant effort to say, well, it's the league's fault or it's this thug player's fault. You've heard all these rationalizations. There's like a little suitcase of them that every fan carries around. All I'm asking is that people unpack the suitcase and really look at not just the exciting parts of the game, but its dark side. Let's take a step away from the NFL for a second. We're talking to Steve Almond, author of the new new book, Against Football, A Reluctant Manifesto. What has football done to the college experience? What has it done to our institutions of higher learning? Well, it starts really, you know, even in the high schools, but... Football has always been, and it started in the college game. It started as a hazing ritual, essentially, and then it sort of got organized into a sport. And very quickly there were people who realized, wow, there's a real passion for this game, uh, especially after the Industrial Revolution when people, you know, men were going from working with the, in a physical way to being stuck in offices and factories, and they had a hunger for that kind of primal aggression, and football fed that. And even though it was in the university setting, it was incredibly popular. And any time something's incredibly popular in America, you know what happens next. It becomes an engine of greed. It becomes a business. And that's exactly what happened with higher education. University of Chicago was trying to build a football team before they had doorknobs for the, you know, in the campus buildings. Mm. So we're, we're talking back into the you know, 19th century. There was a clear sense that the people understood, the promoters understood that there was gold in them, our tackles. That's just the way it is. I think what's happened in the college game has just been a steady acceleration of that process. And it's really... I mean, it's just this game that people play. I, I think it's, and it starts much younger than college. We essentially say to young men, oftentimes from economically vulnerable neighborhoods, oftentimes young, young men of color, hey, your path to destiny is through your talent at this game. We really don't care about the content of your character. We don't care about the content of your mind. Just be ready to play on game day. And that, to me, is uh, really the most troubling aspect of all of this. It happens at the college level, but even before that, it happens at the high school level. Mm. How do the recent stories that have come out, like Ray Rice being suspended for just two games, Josh Gordon, we were talking about this right before you came on, being suspended for a year for marijuana, how does this fit into your critique? Well, I think what happens, so the last chapter of the book is about the sports media. And what happens in the sports media is that people seize on scandals. These pundits seize on scandals, the newscasters, the broadcasters. And the idea is to distract us from the big moral questions we should be asking. So, for instance, in the case of Ray Rice, and this applies to Jimmy Swinston and any of the other athletes that are involved allegedly in a violence against women, the question isn't, oh, my gracious, what, what did Roger Goodell do about Ray Rice and all that? The question is, is football inherently doing something to our perception of the value of women and the appropriate role of men in relation to women? It does this sport that we watch foster within us a tolerance for violence against women because they're defined by the sport as sexual ornamental objects. Mm-hmm. That's the big moral consideration here, and the Ray Rice story is a distraction from that. In the same way that a greedy owner who we can tisk tisk at or a player who appears too avaricious is a distraction from the fact that the NFL itself is this nihilistic engine of greed that basically extorts cities, many of them impoverished cities to you know supply hundreds of millions 
millions of dollars to billionaire owners to build their stadiums. They derive almost nothing in profit from those stadiums. And you've got, you know, in cities like Chicago, St. Louis, Baltimore, you've got these huge stadiums rising above crumbling schools and crumbling infrastructure. Like, this is a big deal. And I think that the the sports media as a rule, their job is to try to minimize it and to try to sort of channel it into little momentary distractible scandals where they can find easy scapegoats rather than confronting the big moral questions that are raised by like a $10 billion industry. Mm. Is This is sort of like the reform versus revolution question, but right. if uh, we agree and we do agree that there is something about the NFL about football that fosters attitudes towards women that objectifies them, which leads to violence against women. Does that give make give the NFL a certain moral responsibility to speak out against violence against women, or would any speaking out just fall in your mind just fall under the category of window dressing and not addressing the the bigger issue that it's endemic? And the way that I would put it is that the first time in 1905 when. Teddy Roosevelt said, you know what, this game's gotten out of control, it's too violent, Uh, I want to convene a meeting of these school officials to talk about football and how we can reform it. There was concern, obviously, and they didn't immediately say, yes, we're going to, you know, change the game. But they did eventually, actually rather quickly, reform the game. And I think that was easier to do because it wasn't a huge industry at that point. Now the decisions that are being made are money decisions. There's a difference between making a moral decision and a money decision. And, you know, the NFL doesn't – they're making $10 billion a year right now. Roger Goodell wants to make $25 billion a year. That's Nike McDonald's neighborhood. He's going to do that because fans like us, fans like me and fans like anybody who's a fan of the NFL is going to give them that money. He talks about, oh, I'm going to do it overseas. That's coming in hidden costs, advertising, cable bill, whatever it is. It's going to come from the fans. The only way the game's going to reform is if the fans demand it. That's just the basic law of capitalism. We're in charge. Uh, Hey, Steve Amon, I'm with you a a thousand percent on that. Mm -hmm. A nihilistic engine of greed. The book is Against Football, a Reluctant Manifesto. Steve Amon, thanks so much for joining us. It was a pleasure, guys. That was Steve Amon, ladies and gents. Uh, We got to go to break right now. We'll be back right after this to talk about the NFL. (laughs) Dave Zirin will continue with Edge of Sports Radio after the break. Dave Zirin returns on Edge of Sports Radio, where sports and politics collide. Boom, we're back here on Edge of Sports Radio. Steve Almond, wow, his book Against Football, A Reluctant Manifesto. I can't even seamlessly go into doing NFL picks after that. We got to process for a second. I mean, to me, the point that he raised, which is which is really, he called uh, the NFL a nihilistic engine of greed. Is that what he said? Yep. A nihilistic engine. I mean, and it's interesting because, you see, the one thing... You, you, these small scandals, though, I think still are big deals and worth discussing, like Ray Rice, uh, like Josh Gordon, because they shape how we think about these individual issues, whether we're talking about marijuana, whether we're talking about violence against women. And I think that the NFL is completely full of it when they talk about like their moral res- I agree with them. It's a corporation. It's out to make money. It's trying to make that McDonald's money. And the fact of the matter is, though, is that it has a product – that is superior to other sports-related mm-hmm. products. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, we had my uh, father-in-law on last week. He's been a pro football fan for four decades, and you know he thinks the game today is more exciting than it's ever been. And a lot mm-hmm. of that, 
you know, and he's an old school guy. Mm-hmm. But he, I mean, it's just, it's a fact of the game. Some of it has to do with HD cameras and the way it's, I mean, you go back and see an old game. I mean, it's just, it, it's it's compelling television. And th- unlike other sports, there's not too much of it. There's just enough. That's why they go to 18 games. I think they're oh, they're out yeah. of their minds. Yep, yep, too but, much. But so, coach, any any thoughts or reflections on Steve Almond before we move on? Well, no. He he said something that I had to smile because he says, "Hey, the NFL's big and it's gonna do what they want to do, and it's hypocrisy." Which we were talking about as it relates to Josh Gordon, which I would throw in and say, you know, all this ranting you're doing. And you, 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 you can't wait for them to get get it on here uh, Thursday night and so forth. So I don't see you saying I re- I'm turning off my TV. I'm turning off my cable. I don't have red zone. So you know, yeah. for all he's saying, we're still going to be there come Thursday when uh, Rogers goes into Seattle. No, that's true. How about you, Mark? I. Man, it's tough. It's tough. It's that cognitive dissonance of knowing all the problems that exist while still wanting to love what's good and pure about the game. Because, mm-hmm. again, if the football itself, it's fantastic. It's the, my favorite thing to do. And you just have – the question is do you compartmentalize? Because if you do that, you, you ignore the, the major problems in, in the system. So you have to, like, root for and against at the same time, different mm-hmm. aspects. I would just ask the question mm-hmm. what cultural commodity isn't – a rack right. with contradictions. Right. That's, fair. That's true. Yeah. So there we say go, no there. to football. So what are you going to do? Watch movies? Do you know how movies are produced? Yeah. <laughs> you know the kind yep. of what, what labor is put yep. through to make a movie? Yep. I mean, do we want to talk about that? Right. Or you say, oh, well, I'll, I'll be really into fashion. Do we want to talk about right. sweatshops and how right. clothes get made? Right. I mean, say, oh, then I'll just be really into my kids. Jeez, you want to have people market stuff right. to kids right. and you're trying right. to protect right. your kids from that? Yeah. I mean, there's nothing right. pure. Right. In this system, because profits come before people. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think I don't want to cherry pick right. the right. National Football League either, while at the same time, I also don't want to excuse the very real problems. And to go, the, the fact that they're a corporation doesn't mean that you can't wrest reforms from them. That's right. the other part of it, right. which right. I think that's the point I made is like, you still make demands of power. Right. And, and I think that's so important. And that's how you get, to me, how you get around the problems of cognitive dissonance. Yeah. And that's why I have so much admiration and love for what you do, because I love fighting City Hall. I mean, I'm, I I took the side of the NFL against Josh Gordon, but rarely do I do that. You know that. Oh sure. And so I'm in total admiration and love for what you do, because you 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 know you love to fight City Hall, and you take it and you and you and you bring light, and and it has to be done. It has to be done. I don't even know where City I don't know Hall if is. Change comes, but you know, <laughs> where's but, City Hall? Oh, <laughs> you're that old saying. Is that old school saying? You, know, you can't fight City Hall. I mean, I, is, I grew I, up so on that. It's one. my favorite Tenacious D song. You know, <laughs> all you people down there in City Hall, you're effing it up for the people that's in the streets. We got it there. Okay. <laughs> oh, that's save, it. Save your voice. All right. So let's <laughs> see. Whatever it. that was. You I don't know. <laughs> This one goes for the people in the streets, not the people city hall. All oh, you mother. You him, Dan. Come on, man. What is this? The people going to rise. Okay. It's Jack Black. It's Tenacious D. I mean, Thank we, can, you, we, can just, we can just stop the no, show we now. Can't. Let's move oh, on. Oh, yeah, we're done. Because Obviously. I think I, the thing I like the most about the NFL, frankly, is the unpredictability factor. Mm-hmm. The fact that it, yes. but, but it's also, it's not random. We don't know who's going to win the Super Bowl this year, but we can just about guarantee it's not going to be the Miami Dolphins. You know, so it's like there's unpredictability, but at the same time, it's not completely random. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Hmm. And so, so I, that's what I find about that's so interesting. And so, I mean, Dan, I, I, I wanted to ask you before we started, just because we rarely get voice on this. Do you want to throw down with some Super Bowl predictions? I'll throw down. Because we're going around the horn. Pardon the expression, <laughs> copyright. Uh, 
All right. Well, let's go start with Mark, and we'll make it to you. I just want to make sure that you had the opportunity to talk. So I'm going to go through it, Mark. We're going to go through um, every division, All right. and then you're going to tell me the wild do cards. It, you ready? Do it. Do it. All sure. Right. And then this is on the record. All right. Okay. A- AFC East. Patriots. Uh, I think that they're they're much improved. Defense is a lot better. There might be a push from a second team, but the Patriots win the division. Okay. AFC North. Uh, AFC North. Bengals. Okay. Uh, AFC South. AFC South, I am not a fan of the Indianapolis Colts. I have the Tennessee Titans winning that division. That is bold. Yeah. That is a bold pick. You're saying that the only team with a quarterback in that division, Andrew Luck, is not going to win that division. He's not going to go 8-0. Yeah, he's no Jake Locker. 6-0. No, yeah. no Jake Locker. No, that's true. <laughs> and now AFC West. AFC West. That should be the, the Broncos division. I have the Broncos, but I, I think they're they're going to have some serious fight. Both the Chiefs and the Chargers should be good. I think the Chargers could be really good. Wow. And your two wild cards. Probably the Chargers and I, the, the Colts are too good to not get a wild card spot. Okay, so very interesting. I like those picks. They're they're both chalk, but also with a twinge of rebellion. <laughs> Not which so is chalk. Nice. Twinge there of rebellion. Now, to- chalk with a twinge. Chalk, chalk with a twist. <laughs> it's it's like multicolored chalk. All right, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna use that. that Thank that's you. my uh... And who's going to the Super Bowl from the AFC? Uh, Bengals. Bengals. Okay. NFC. NFC East. NFC East. Uh, the Washington Football Team. Oh, Crazy prediction. That with was. with Kirk Cousins finishing the year. Oh my God. NFC North. NFC North, Chicago Bears. The Bears. Uh, 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 NFC uh, South. <laughs> NFC South is the New Orleans Saints. Wow. That's, yeah. I like that pick, too. Mm-hmm. And NFC West. NFC West, it's so chalk. It's so chalk, it's, it's Seahawks. Really? I, it's, it's, it's a down season from the 49ers. Why is it a down season for the 49ers? The defense, I'm a little surprised. The defense has lost a little bit, and I don't know if Kaepernick can be anything other than just kind of like a mediocre game manager who can break out and run every once in a while. Wow, and who do you got in the Super Bowl? I have the New Orleans Saints. No. Yeah, absolutely. I think Breeze could put up Manning numbers this year. Their defense has gotten a lot better. Jarris Bird, Champ Bailey, and I like little Brandon Cooks. I think Cooks is going to be awesome. Breeze puts up Breeze numbers. Yeah. (laughs) Bengals, Saints. That's right. From Mean Mark Barry. Coach, I'll just cut it just for the Super Bowl for you, my friend. <laughs> I'm good. No, I can, I can handle this. I can handle this. I'm good. Okay, you sure? Yeah. yeah. Are you sure? Oh, absolutely. Okay, yeah. run, run it down. Yeah. And by the way, you said you made that little joke about Miami. You could also take take stock that the Super Bowl reigning champ doesn't get back. So Seattle's not getting back. I'll just make that clear right now. Okay. All right. The AFC East, New England. North, Baltimore. South, mm-hmm. Jacksonville. By the way. What, Jacksonville? That's right. Every <laughs> year a team goes oh, from four to one. If Every that happens, year. coach, oh, <laughs> my God, your feet I shall smooch. Oh, my God. I don't hate I'm it. West, I don't hate it. I think outside the box. Oh, you I cannot go chalk in this thing. You West. know what I'm saying? You know, gee whiz, you guys, man, you guys wake up. All right, West, San Diego. All right. Who's Wild card, Denver, Indiana. Uh, Indianapolis. Indianapolis. I'm sorry. Okay. okay. Uh, New England wins, wins the division. NFC, Philadelphia, North, Minnesota. That's right. I'm going to. I'm going. I'm going to take another crazy. team. That's uh, right. Matt Castle, you heard it here first. South New Orleans, right. West Arizona. Wild card, Seattle, Green Bay. Green Bay, nice. Green Bay defeats Seattle. Green Bay, New England, Super Bowl. Green Bay takes it all. Well, everybody's got to be wrong right. sometimes. And you just got to be wrong more than right. Co- all right. Read Dan, week, baby. Dan, if you just want to do your Super Bowl, you can. Uh, but, I, but if you want to do every division, you can do that too, buddy. I'll take a crack of the divisions. Let's do it. All right. right. AFC West, going to be the Denver Broncos. Also coming out of the division, I agree with Mark. The Chargers, I think Phillip Rivers and that whole offense is going to have a really, really good year. AFC South, 
I think it's going to be the Houston Texans and the AFC North, Cincinnati Bengals, AFC East, my Patriots, and coming up right behind the Buffalo Bills getting that second wild card spot. I like that. Who's the first wild card? Okay, go to NFC. NFC. All right, in the NFC, in the West, Seattle will take that division, and San Francisco will be right behind them in the wild card. NFC South is going to be Atlanta with New Orleans coming in second for the wild card. NFC North, Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers, and in the NFC East, do I really have to pick one? It's gonna be like seven and nine. No, it's it's like it's like <laughs> you flush the toilet, one piece of poop rises to easy, the top. Easy. And it's the it's, it's usually on. the Giants then. <laughs> so of, of the just oh just just that? the just the bad teams, I guess I'm gonna go with the Washington football team as well. No, the Washington football team is awful. This is a terrible team. I don't like any of the other teams in the division at all. Dallas is going to have an all-time terrible defense. I don't buy the Giants. And Nick Foles and the Eagles? What? No. Super Bowl coach, just like you, except I have the Patriots beating the Packers. Gross. Come on, It's not wrong to pick them. I'm watching you pick the Colts of the Super Bowl. I also have the best defense that they've had since 2004, which is a huge factor. Let the star have a show. Come on, we're we're, we're, we're the wrongness ready. is wild on all fronts. First of all, <laughs> AFC East, the New York football Jets are going to win that division, oh. powered by an amazing defense and a horrifically down year from Tom Brady. So uh, just live with that for a second. Um, um, after that, um, we're going to go with uh, Bengals. We're going to go with the Colts, and we're going to go with the Broncos. Mama didn't raise any fools. And the Chargers and the Ravens are going to the playoffs. That's uh, wild card. I feel very good about that, yeah. Okay. And then we're going to the NFC. Absolutely the Eagles win that division. Absolutely Check. the Bears uh, are going forward. And absolutely uh, the New Orleans Saints are winning that division. And absolutely the San Francisco 49ers are going to win their division. My wild card teams are... Bust this out. The Packers and the Rams. I like the Ooh, Sean, Sean Hill. Sean Hill. Yep. I am, I am a Sean Hill reclamation <laughs> project going on right here. Greatest and, Sean and, and Yep. And then in, in the Super Bowl, you know how I feel about this. I, I'm a Bengals-Bears guy in the Super Bowl, oh, B&B. Uh, it's going to be amazing. I, like it. I hope. And, and, you know, and so the big predictions here that I have that are a little bit kooky are down years for Seattle and down year with Russell Agreed. Wilson gets figured out and a down year for the Patriots. And also the Jets winning with Geno Smith. That's a huge prediction. It is a huge prediction. They, um, they, got, a good, they got a good backfield, yeah, though, honestly. Yeah, it, and it's, it's, I mean, I love the Chris Johnson ivory yeah. backfield. I, they were, they're improved at receiver. That was so horrible for them last year. And that defense is kind of all world. It's I mean, really it really good. is. It's, it's that good. It's not Darrell Revis, but that, that, that's ba- that's basically all they're missing at this point. Seriously, just and if Milner that. is even half as good as he thinks he is in uh, his second year, then we'll you're see. talking about something really special. Hmm. I mean, come on, Dan, Dan you're just like, what, no, what, what, just, you look I, like I, you want to say something. No, no. Say it! I like that we have it on record now yeah. that you were that high on the Jets, and when they finish at, like, I don't know, 5-11, and 11, then we can, we can go back. And why, to hate it? Can, why, why can they we... hate for Brady? I don't understand that. No, it's not about hate for Brady. I mean, it's but... a, this man's just not given the tools, man. I mean, I'm watching him. And, and you know, losing Logan Mankins? Lose, that's what I was going to no, say. It's, it's like nuts. he can't move out of the pocket. He's immobile, and there's going to be so much pressure up the middle on Brady this year. Hmm. Interesting. I, just, yeah. I, just, I, I mean, I just see, see it being a very difficult year for Tom Brady. And the debate on Boston Sports Radio and WEEI is going to be uh, – 
did did Belichick waste Brady's prime by getting oh, rid of all his receivers? Well, yes, Wait, was we've, that we've a Boston accent? That was a disaster. We've known that for what years. Was that, that, was that Paul Feinbaum? That, that was more Texas border than it <laughs> that was. That was terrible. Jeez, I don't do accents. Clearly, I, I don't do accents. I, they're always after me. Lucky you don't charms. sing either, but was you know you're trying everything today, though. Aren't Are you, you kidding me? My singing's beautiful, <laughs> and you're jealous because I can go. I can sing. Go Jaguars. <laughs> Hey, you got it, baby. I may, be, I may be starving, Blake but Bortles. I can sing like Marvin. <laughs> hey, this is Edge of Sports hey, Radio. Not in D.C. Don't bring up Marvin's name. Oh. This is my town. I see you outside. Coming up high or not. I've been, here. I've been here so long. I can't even just say I like Marvin Gaye. I can't do that. Hey, we got to go to break right now. We'll be back right after this and find out um, if Noah has any head oh, injuries. Oh, he does. He does. So we're going to find out right after this. Edge of Sports Radio with Dave Zirin will return after this. Edge of Sports Radio returns. Here's Dave Zirin. Boom, we're back here to wrap up the show. Noah Tilton. Noah playing football in the D.C. high school region. How you doing, Noah? I'm good. I'm doing good. I got to ask you a question. Is it a little weird that we did a segment about everything that's wrong with the NFL and then did our predictions? As a listener, was that kind of odd to, to hear or did it make a degree of sense? Uh, it was a little weird. It was a little weird, <laughs> it was a wasn't little it? Weird. Yeah. It's it's sort of like talking about like how bad I don't know like eggs are for you, and then we do our omelet recipes or your haircut. <laughs> That's oh please, that, that just sounds like jealousy. And all, yeah, I know. Don't talk about hair. <laughs> so Noah, let me ask you the question first. Form how's football team going? It's good. All right. Do you find yourself hitting people and leading with your head? Are you considered no. a dirty player? No. Does anything from hockey, your, your experience as a goalie, does any of it transfer uh, as a goalie to uh, playing uh, football? I don't think it would as a goalie, but since I'm not a goalie and I'm a defenseman, it does a little bit. Mm-hmm. So were, does being a goalie mean that you feel tougher <laughs> when I, you play football? I guess so. Okay, j- just checking. Noah, you aren't running around there with a red jersey on, are you? No. You're a tough guy. Yeah. Have you started a Do the quarterbacks the... wear red jerseys? <laughs> no. No. So you can hit the quarterback. Not supposed to. And you're playing outside linebacker, right? Yeah. So if you can't hit somebody, what does an outside linebacker do? Pass. Yeah. Pass defense. Just, yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. So you drop back into coverage a great yeah. deal. Yeah. Okay. And are you enjoying it? Yeah. Is yeah, there a cool. lot of hazing in the locker room, or are people pretty nice to each other? No, it's pretty nice. I mean, we've separated JV and varsity, so it's mostly freshmen sophomores. That's together. the guys you're with. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. So different different locker time, different practice time, all of that. Well, we practice together, but they at the same time that they split up versus offense, JV's defense, or vice versa. And I'm going to track this all year, Noah, so I need the truth here. Okay. Have you gotten your bell rung once? I did. You did? I did. Watch out. Does your mom know? Yes, that's the question. I, she might. I don't know. She knows now. I guess she I'll does. I'll tell you that. Wow, so mm. Noah got his bell rung. I did. Mm. Dang. Did it kind of feel good afterwards, or did you like not remember? Like oh, I felt fine. Name? I felt, felt fine. Got right back up. Nice. You just don't remember your sister's name for other reasons. <laughs> Got more important things to think about. Hey Noah, good luck this year, man. Thank you. All right, this is Edge of Sports Radio. Me, Mark Barry, Coach Damn, who loves the Patriots. What's his name? I'm Dave Zirin. We are out of here. Peace. Edge of Sports Radio, where sports and politics collide. Tune in next week and go to edgeofsports.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place 
to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.